This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham, it is a Wednesday edition and we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. Number for the program is 844-SAY-ACCN. I'm Mark Packer. I'm uh, here again with Hounds in the basement. It is going to be about 101 in Charlotte today. Mm. Uh, I'm sensing the air conditioner will be cranked to record lows in the Packer household. That's what I'm talking oh. about. Mr. Durham, how are we doing? Well... I'm good. It's going to be right at 100 here today. I thought the heat wave just was kind of like a four or five day thing, Pike. I didn't think this was 10 days. I didn't think we were doubling up on this. Stinks. You know what's funny? I, I did a radio interview yesterday, and I told, oh. the, guy, I told the guys, uh, John Boy and Billy, I'll give them a little shout out. They're syndicated about 70 stations. And I told them, I said, you know, when you're a kid, when you're a kid, like a knucklehead kid, you don't think about it. No, the hotter the better, man. If it's going to be 105, you couldn't mm-hmm. wait to take off your shirt and get in the water and go outside and get in all yep. kinds of trouble, right? When you're a knucklehead. Yep. And the older you get, man, that temperature is like, man, that's nonsense. The older you get, it's like, man, get me inside with a little 6'5 yep. with something cold to drink. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right because uh, – it was funny, last night here in Cartersville, Vicky and I were out on our front porch last night because that was the shaded side of the house, right? Late. And uh, there were kids who had come in from playing baseball last night, and it was about 8.30 or so, and we're sitting out there just kind of enjoying the cool of the evening, if you will, because it had been so blowing hot here yesterday. And uh, kids are running around without shirts or shoes on or right. whatever, and it's, you know, That's- they've been out running all day. Let's get kids don't they don't worry about dehydration or anything they're just out going they don't care it's summer no yep. school yep you know we're outside they were actually playing baseball in the front yard i was like you know what they don't know the temperature they don't know the day date whatever not a care in the world right i know it. that's the way it was man the hotter the better when you're a knucklehead mm-hmm. and uh but man it gets this hot it's like man even the dogs man they look at me like i ain't going outside you can go outside we're good. We'll just, we'll, we'll just hold it for a while, Pack. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pawn you when we really have to go, but it's too sticking hot to do anything outside. Yeah. So just speaking for the folks yeah. in the southeast, I know it's really around the country. Even the Midwest getting pounded with heat. Uh, be careful out mm. there, man. Seriously, it's not – It's. I mean, we, we yeah. kid around about it, but you really do need to be careful. It's that goofy hot. That's no what question. we got going on. Yeah. I, I thought, by the way, I thought, you were going to the, I thought you were going to the Braves game last night. Yeah, it was. Then it was hot. We I mean, decided not to go. Too hot. Not going to go out there and sit in 99-degree weather. Didn't go. Your team won, by the way, 12-10 well, I know. I watched last them. night. I watched them. I mean, I yeah. had to watch I had to watch a baseball. Carlos Rodon pitches today for you. Hey, well, Carlos going, Rodon, former Wolfpack player, goes today. I feel good about that. But, you know what, I, I had to watch my mm-hmm. boys last night because i, I got to be honest with you. I was very disappointed in afternoon Ooh. baseball. You know, Danny Graves was on with us yesterday. And I said to him, I really thought Notre Mm -hmm. Dame would play well because they kind of gave you a clunker. I think that's the term I used, a clunker against Oklahoma on Sunday night. They just just got beat. That's right. 
Wes, I thought they were worse yesterday. And, I, and again, I, I don't mean to put a negative spin on this because Notre Dame had a great year, but man, they, they did yeah. not play well at all yesterday. They could not field, they could not hit, they could mm-hmm. not catch. Uh, it was so out of character watching them yesterday. I, I was bummed out. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I, I expected them to play well. I didn't know if they were going to win the game. I mean, A&M's really good, too, and all these teams are really good once you get to the stage. But they just the things right. that Notre Dame does well, they look like me and you out there trying to catch yesterday. I mean, it was just one of those balks, walks, yeah. drops, errors. I, I was really disappointed with the way that, that turned out yesterday. Yeah. I really was. Yeah, and it you know what? It just Liam Simon didn't seem to get into any kind of rhythm. Here's a nope. walk. And then, you know, then there was a call at first base and there was a challenge that didn't go the Irish's way. And then, you know, here's the Bermuda Triangle play. Jared Miller going out and, you know, there were things that Notre Dame had done well a majority of the year that yesterday and to a degree Sunday as well, Pac, just failed them. Mayor's Brannigan. I mean, how many times have we seen him make a great play at third, oh, right? Right, exactly. Just, just didn't happen. And I say this about the NCAA basketball tournament. I'll say it about the College World Series. The finality of it, unless you win, stinks. Now, right. they've changed kind of the temperament of it. You go to the end, you get two out of three between two teams. Uh, looks to me like Oklahoma and Ole Miss are on a collision course, but who knows? You get two teams, and that's right. Who knows? But you get two teams. They play two out of three, and yeah, it probably stinks to lose that for sure. But the finality of it, like yesterday for Notre Dame, just is. Ugh, it's just not good. And here's the way it looks for the Irish. I mean, they beat Texas. They lost Oklahoma. And, uh, of course, they're eliminated 5-1 yesterday by Texas A&M. So, Oklahoma will only have to beat Texas A&M once. Aggies have to beat the Sooners twice. Same goes on the other side of the bracket for an SEC West semifinal of Ole Miss and Arkansas, where the Rebels are 2-0. So, there you go. Yeah, but for the Irish, you just, know, these these two games with Oklahoma and A&M, they just didn't hit the baseball. I mean, the three runs were all – the one was a two-run shot. Yesterday was a yep. solo blast in the eighth. They didn't hit the ball very well. Only had five hits. Again, you, you tip your hat to the mm-hmm. other guys because they're really good and have good pitching. But, you know, the team with the best yep. team ERA in the entire dance there in Omaha was Notre Dame. team with the best fielding percentage was Notre yeah. Dame. And you would have never guessed it watching them yesterday. And I, I know that um, – No. You know, it's the immediacy of the end, as you pointed out, hits you square in between the eyes, whether you're a Notre Dame fan, an ACC fan, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. stinks. And, you know, it doesn't take away from really what was a great season for Notre Dame. I mean, to get back to the College World Series for the third time, uh, the elimination of Tennessee, which still had people, you know, buzzing about what they accomplished. They did a lot of great things. But just, it's one thing to get beat. It's another thing not to play well in going out. And, and I'm, I guarantee you, Link Jarrett, uh, I know there's a lot on his brain right now, but, you know, at that team he watched yesterday, that really wasn't his team mm-hmm. this season. That, that wasn't the typical Notre Dame performance. And um, I know, it just stunk. I, I just sat there and watched the entire game yesterday. And 
It, it, like I said, I didn't think they'd leave a back-to-back clunker, but that's really precisely what they did yesterday. They, you know, again, tip your hat to AM. They were the better team. They won the game, dominated it. But I just didn't think Notre Dame had the A effort yesterday, and that surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was disappointing for sure. Uh, the third inning, to me, was the inning where things right. kind of started to bounce off the rails. Right. Uh, we showed you the balk, the drop fly ball, things of that nature. And then the Irish – Really, for the second consecutive game, after getting off to a great start against Texas, had a hard time getting runs produced in the first three or four innings as well in uh, losing 5-1 to one to, uh, to Texas A&M. Uh, should not, as you said, though, Pac, uh, detract from an outstanding season for Notre Dame. Um, really a good year for Link Jarrett um, in his third season. And, of course, the first one started in COVID. And last year, they got to the Super Regionals at Mississippi State this year, get all the way to Omaha. An old team, a talented team. Um, but here's the other note, too. And I think we got some graphics here to show you on this. Notre Dame has been the most consistent program in the ACC over the last three years. 86-32, and 32, and the only team in the ACC to win over 70% of their games in that span, Mark. And that's a that's probably a surprising note to many who uh, who dial up our program here. Yeah, that's what's called a bar bet. Uh, you know, and I, if I would have said, all right, name the top three winning percentage teams in the ACC in the last three years, uh, if you're a baseball fanatic, perhaps you get that right. And if you're a lukewarm baseball fan, you'd add no chance of guessing those three. But uh, again, Link Jarrett's done a brilliant job in South Bend. There'll be all kinds of speculation regarding Florida State. As a matter of fact, when we had him on the show last mm-hmm. week, uh, I didn't want to ask him about Florida State. I mean, all the focus had right. to be on what was going on at Omaha with his team with a chance to win. And we'll get into that a little further, not to mention, once again, the ACC, I don't know what it is about Omaha, but the, the ACC in Omaha, we get there, but we can't close. It is just one of those right. things where um, that that uh, that that whole deal, for whatever reason, is just kind of a kind of a million dollar question of, of why the Atlantic Coast Conference, for whatever reason, just doesn't have great great super success in Omaha. It's kind of goofy how that works. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the post game yesterday, um, and realistically, he could have been asked before, but realistically, yesterday was the first time I think you were ever going to hear Link Jarrett expand anywhere, shape, or form on the possibility of Florida State and what it was like. Because quite frankly, and no offense to the folks in Tallahassee, the announcement comes out at 5 o'clock or 5.30 on the Friday of the Super Regional in Knoxville. So from the time game one in Knoxville took place to yesterday, uh, Link Jarrett's kind of been bobbing and weaving a little bit on this whole Florida State situation. Well, yesterday afternoon, he expanded on the mentality that it's taken from that date to now to get through what has been a terrific ride for Notre Dame. My mind has not gone to that place, and I'm not going there with it right now. The constant questions on it, um, whether it was Clemson or FSU or whatever, um, trying to completely keep my routine and my focus and, and leave the other people and the other questions that I get, like as far out of this as I can. Um, you know, when we were in Knoxville that whatever day it was, Friday, and they made that maneuver, um, 
the focus to try to like redirect because you're you're getting question after question on it my focus was on them and not not the other stuff and you know what I had to deal with it last year and when your program's doing the right thing you're going to have those distractions whether it's baseball basketball football and I tried with all I had not to go there in my mind and it was it was difficult but I wanted to know when when this thing either ended with a trophy or not that they were the focus of what I was doing and I, think I, it's a, I respect that pack. I do too. I, it's the in fact. It's the only way to conduct your business, and uh, it was a mm-hmm. tough situation for him personally. I, I'm sure uh, that people were tugging on him left and right, whether it be the Clemson job or the Florida State thing. And the Florida State gig is still open, uh, but his sole purpose is to take care of Notre Dame baseball, and he has done a right. not good. Great job in South Bend, and despite yesterday's uh, game and, and the ending of the season. Uh, while disappointing that you're not part of that dog pile and there's only one team that gets to enjoy it, a great run for Notre Dame this season. And when you mentioned, Wes, this was a very experienced team. So it'll be kind of interesting mm-hmm. to see what happens with the fortunes of Notre Dame baseball moving forward. And I don't know what Link Jarrett's going to do. I don't know what Florida State's going to do. But, you know, that seems to be a natural conversation that could certainly take place moving forward. And what he decides to do, I have no earthly idea. But I know this. He's done a great job. And, uh, man, it was a terrific year for Notre Dame, despite what happened yesterday in Omaha. Well, you're right about that. And uh, the next 72 to 96 hours, I think, you know, Notre Dame's got to get home today. Uh, That, from Omaha at times, can be an all-day process. What is on American Airlines? my guess is... I, I, I tell you what, if he's flying American Airlines, uh, I'm sensitive to see today's Wednesday, he's in Omaha... Uh, probably Saturday morning they get to South Bend. Hmm. <laughs> nice. By the way, Dubuque, um, Iowa. Hey, Dubuque, Iowa. Wes, I read yesterday. Yeah, does not does not have American Airlines service anymore. Dubuque, Iowa. So for the folks watching this morning in Dubuque, sorry, hmm. you had your chance with American Airlines. Not happening. It's got nothing That's, to do with uh, this conversation, but I just thought I'd add that. Dubuque, Iowa is the home of Gary Dolphin's Iron Bar. Well, there you go. Now, now there is there the is some information that you could use. The voice of the Iowa Hawkeyes. The voice That's of the it. Iowa Hawkeyes has his restaurant slash bar in the Ironworks uh, building, Gary Dolphin's way, Iron Bar. How many Hall of Fames he got? How many, how many times he won the uh, Iowa Sportscaster of the Year? That's, that's your job as the president oh, Gary, of the Gary. He's a Is he a multi? Four. Multi, huh? Yeah, he's four. I think he's uh, one four. Hey, are you up for the uh, state of Georgia broadcaster of the year? No, I did not win. No, sir. What you didn't win? Were you up? No, I did for not it? win. Were you up for the award? Mm, no, sir. No, y- you not weren't this even year. nominated. President. I'm president. So does that I'm preclude you from all that? If you're the president, you can't win. Yes. Is that how that works? That's correct. And when's That's that the event? Way it works for me. When's that event? <laughs> well, I mean, well, I mean, you're the boss. Uh, I mean. Actually, we, we start festivities, if you really want to know, we start festivities on Saturday I knew uh, it. in Winston-Salem. I uh, it. Sunday night, uh, Jane Kennedy will be honored with the Rune Arledge Award, if you're interested. Jane Remember Jane Kennedy from Kennedy? CBS Sports? Really? Yes. Yes. Now, how did she win that award? Yeah. Uh, nominated by the uh, nominated by the committee that determines the Rune Arledge winner. Well, who's on the committee? 
But your Hall of Fame? I don't know specifics on that. Committee. I thought you're the president. Uh, probably so. Yeah. All right. I am the president. I don't know everybody by a specific committee. How long? By the way, now, how long Monday are you night, the president? How long are you the president? Do you have to? Do you? Do you have parking? Three years. Or yes, three sir. days. Three. Well, it could be three days this weekend, but yeah, three years technically. And this is year number what? One. Oh, so you have lots of time to kind of alter the ballot a little bit, right? Not going to alter the ballot, but you're kind. Um, the uh, Monday night winners, by the way, just so you know, ESPN family of networks, well represented. Stuart oh, yeah. Scott goes into the Hall of Fame. Carolina grad Wait, on Monday night. What took you all so long? Well, how do you mean? Stuart Stop, Scott really? should have been in the Hall of Fame 10 years ago. What's wrong with you guys up there? Who is the who runs this organization? Stuart Scott is now just getting in. This is like when we did the college football See. Hall of Fame ballots. I was like, wait a minute. Warwick wait, War Dunn's not in the college football Hall of Fame? I mean, it's 2022. Okay. How is Stuart Scott now just getting in to your Hall of Fame, that, that organization that you're in charge of? How's that possible? By the way, Curry Kirkpatrick also goes in the Hall of Fame on Monday night. He should have been in 30 years ago when he was with Sports Illustrated. Wow. There you have it. What kind of group is this? Uh, National Sportscaster of the Year, by the way, was uh, we had a tie. Scott Van Pelt and Ernie Johnson both will be in attendance on Monday night in Winston-Salem. Well, how do you break the tie? There was a tie pack. You don't break ties at the top. Yeah, you do. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, if uh, if if Will Zalatoris had made that putt on seventy second hole, do you think they'd have gone? Hey, both you guys, I, I tell you what, screw it. Both of you, the U.S. Open champ, should have broke the tie. That would have been fun. You want Scott Van Pelt and Ernie Johnson to play rock paper scissors in hey, Winston Salem to determine the winner? Hey, dude, you're the president. You're the president. What, what are you asking me for? I've never won a Hall it. of Fame award. <laughs> you lost it. Uh also, Jeff Passan, our colleague from ESPN, was the National Sports Writer of the Year. So there you go. Well, they're all, hey, every name you just dropped, big time, including Jane Kennedy. I've not heard Jane Kennedy's name in 100 years. Good for her. Yep. She'll be, awesome. in, a, she'll be in attendance Sunday night as the winner of the Rune Arledge Award. Can people so go to this go. event, or is this like closed off for all you big Yeah, wigs? tickets are readily available. No, no. You can buy some tickets. Today's the deadline to buy tickets. The event's Monday night. How much are the tickets? Uh, I think it's $125 to go. I'm out. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm out. Well, you I, and Brant were there to present Billy a few years ago in Salisbury. You guys did a great job. I know, but we didn't pay $125 to do it. In fact, we should have been no, paid. We were, should have been paid to do it, to be honest with you. This unbelievable. Should have been what paid to be there. For this event. Great. What kind of organization is this? We're going to pay the presenters. Yeah, okay. Let me know how that goes. things to do. You think I was excited about having a a old piece of chicken and some (laughs) green beans and carrot combination? You started this show by telling everybody you weren't leaving the house today because it was going to be 101. And and now you're telling people you got things to do. Well, I had things to do that night. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, there we go. All right, when we come back, the uh, return of the EA Sports College Football video game next year, about a year from now, 
has got us to thinking, okay, we got a chance maybe to build the best ACC quarterback. So we're going to take all these traits and we're going to build the ultimate ACC quarterback. Packers is next. Oh, yeah. On the Packer and Durham program. This is the Packer and Durham podcast. Packer and Durham on a Wednesday. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. All right, we're going to go ahead and build the ultimate quarterback in the ACC. And we've got a bunch to pick from. We mentioned this yesterday. We never got around to it, so we're going to do it today. Now, you must select current. Let me emphasize this because I know what's going to happen. Social media is going to get our list. People are going to see it. They're going, oh, that's crazy. They should have put Philip Rivers. What about Michael Vick? Right. How they leave Vick off. <laughs> I guarantee you this is going to happen. This is why I just laugh at social media. How do you leave Michael Vick off this? How do you leave Lamar Jackson off this? Right. These people are doggone idiots running this show. They ain't playing right now. That's right. why we're leaving them off. They ain't on teams in the Atlantic Coast that's Conference. That's it. So we're going to give you categories. You must use current ACC quarterbacks. It can't Current, be you can't right go, now. Right, you can't go back to oh Rodney Williams at Clemson. Man, he uh, he had the best vision. No, no, I don't want to hear that. I want Joe Hamilton. No, you can't have Joe Hamilton. All right, Bernie Kosar. What were these guys drunk? What are they doing? They missed it. All right, so here's the list. All right, we're going to create the ultimate ACC quarterback. I get the lead. Do I not? And as always, we did not look at one another's list oh, no. until no, no, no. now. No, 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 no. All right, so here we go. Uh, we're going to lead off to the first category: arm strength. Arm strength, Wes. Uh, and I'm going to go down yeah. to uh, Death Valley, Clemson, South Carolina. And I know that uh, he had a crazy year last year. One that he needs to improve on, but uh, this dude can flat out sling it. You want arm strength? This dude's throwing BBs. Question is, where is he throwing it to sometimes? But it, there, nobody's going to doubt this guy's arm strength. So, again, there's a couple I could have picked from. This is the, By the way, I was just going to tell everybody, when you try to do this at home, you're going to end up doing the same thing we did. I'm sure. Or at least I did. I could have put two or three guys in each category. This is going to be tougher than you think. Tougher than you think. Yeah. So, arm strength, yeah, I'm going to go with DJ. Think. I'm going to go DJ, all right? Okay. Accuracy. Yep. Pinpoint accuracy. A number of guys I could have picked here, but I'm going with the guy that basically uh, talked his way past security and pulled the quarterback sneak last week into the basement, and that is uh, beet juice drinking Devin Leary. He's delivering, and I'm telling you what, he can throw it on a dime, this guy right here now. Devin Leary is my guy for accuracy, and like I said, there's a couple guys I could have put in this category, but I'm going Devin Leary for accuracy. All right, okay. next up, size. A couple dudes that you could pick from in this department as well. But I'm going with that big old dude up there at Boston College land. Hopefully he can play all the games this year and not get hurt. Phil Jakovic is going to be my guy for size. 6'5", 226. And uh, he's worth it, man. Dude, he can pound you. That's a big man back there slinging at number five. So I'm going Phil Jakovic for size. All right, up next, speed. This, to me, was the easy one. This, to me, was the easiest one of the bin, of the box. But, but you know what? There was another guy I really? thought about. There was really? One, yes, really, Wes. 
There was one other guy could have maybe put it, but, but to me, Malik yeah. Cunning, Malik Cunningham is just he's here. Number three can scoot. Three's a problem. Defensive coordinators, defensive, defensive coordinators in this league see taping. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's still back. Yeah, three is back from Louisville. Yep. But he can move. Like Jordan Travis is. There is good one too. other guy. Yeah, Jordan That's Travis it. was good. That's yeah, the was, guy. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. about it. But Malik Cunningham's special. And he, he, to me, is just another cut above. Uh, the next category is uh, football IQ. I could have put six guys in this list. This one could have been a number of guys. But I went to Sam Hartman. And, and like I said, I could have gone Devin Leary. I could have gone Brendan Armstrong. I, there are a lot of guys here. But I went to Sam Hartman. And, and you know, divvy it up however you want. So I went to uh, Switzerland to find my guy for IQ. Sam Hartman. All right? I like it. Uh, next one was Vision. Uh, there's one guy to me that's mm-hmm. kind of separated themselves in this league, vision, and that's the guy down there at Miami. Okay. Tyler Van Dyke to me, uh, man, he just—I love to watch him play. He's got the swagger and all that cool stuff, but brother, he just finds dudes, and I just like the way he throws the football on top. He again, he could have been in this category. He could have been in a number of these different categories, but I want Tyler Van Dyke for vision, just like everything about what number nine's doing. For the Hurricanes. Expect huge things from him this season. Uh, next category was toughness. Toughness, Wes. Something that me and you have nothing to do with this category. Because <laughs> when the temperature hits 100, the last thing we want to do is deal with it. So, a toughness, I'm going to go Syracuse. I went with Mr. Schrader. Because I'll tell you what. Dude's a plow horse, man. He gets hit all day because that offensive line needs to get better. But when he decides to run... He's looking to run over somebody. And there are not many dudes. Okay. I could go on Jerkovic maybe here a little bit, but I like Schrader, man, because he'll just take off and run, and he's looking to hit somebody. He's a big man, too, by the way, as far right. as size goes. So I want Schrader for toughness. And uh, the last category, which I made up, because I think it should have been added, was leadership. And there's a number of guys here that fall into the category, but I want Brennan Armstrong from UVA. For leadership. Love everything about it. He's got, he's got a savviness to him, man. He just knows how to play. And uh, gets everybody involved on the football team. Distributes the football. He'll take off and run, too. Another tough dude. But uh, I went Brennan Armstrong on leadership. So, there you go. Those are my guys. Arm strength, DJ. Accuracy, Devin Leary. Size, Dracovic. Speed, Cunningham. IQ, Hartman. Vision, uh, TVD. Toughness, Schrader. Leadership. Brennan Armstrong, I distributed the wealth to everybody in the league. Every, there were no repeat mm-hmm. offenders on my list. So there you go. That is my ultimate ACC quarterback. That's good. That's well done in terms of no repeat. So no repeat. That's me. well done. But you could have. Yeah. That, that's um, why this is a tough exercise because you could wow. easily put a couple guys in the same category and go, you know what? I kind of go for that guy too. It's, it's tough to do. Mm-hmm. The league's really, really good and talented. All right. Mine's coming up in the uh, 9 o'clock hour. Oh, uh, so got to wait. I'll give you mine the 9 o'clock hour. Yeah. All right, by now the way. You're going to have to hold on there, big fella. How many well, – maybe I shouldn't ask you this. How many did we have the same? We have some the same? Hang on. Uh, we have one, two, three. Uh, 
That's um, it. Three. Wow. Yep, three. I would have. I thought we'd have a lot more of the no, same. No, I than didn't. That. I was not. I was not told that there was a no repeat rule. There isn't. There is no. There are no rules. Okay. You just put in there whoever you want. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah, oh, and we have. Way, did um, you? You didn't give me. We actually. We wait actually. Wait, have, wait, 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 wait. I actually have somebody. Okay. Wait, you didn't give me. Just tell me this. We didn't get to like accuracy, and you went one A, one B, one C. You, you didn't do that to me, did you? Oh, good. No. Good. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Thank goodness no. you're the president. But, but we also have some. <laughs> we also have some different people in some different slots. Well, we it's obvious because we only had three that matched. Of course, we're going to have some differences. That means we had five that were different. Right, but I mean. Come on, Wes. But I mean, like, there, there's some that are going to be, yeah, they're going. There's some that are going to be different just from a standpoint of speculation and evaluation. But we'll get to that in the nine right. o'clock hour when All we come right. back. Uh, yesterday we finished up two a days. When we come back, we're going to split up the two a days. Today we're going to show you the best of our two a day interviews in the Coastal Division. We had a lot of great insight. Steve Weissman, Andy Bitter, Mike Barber. Plenty of stuff to go around with. Uh, We will cover that when we continue next. Packer and Durham on ACC Network. Good morning. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. It's a Wednesday. 844-SAY-ACCN. Your lucky number today is 652. Always does. 3.30 a.m. crank up. Yeah. That's about time you have to walk the dogs in this heat, isn't it, 2.30? You got to do it early. You better do it before the sun comes up. <sighs> Tell you that right now. Man. That was already Holy accomplished. Um, we have uh, spent the last uh, week and change going through two days, profiling each of the ACC football schools, kind of getting you that June feel about a month out from the ACC kickoff in Charlotte. And today we're going to kind of cobble together – Oh, the best of the Coastal from the two-a-days. And we're going to start with a first-year man in the Coastal Division. Mike Elko takes over at Duke. And Steve Weissman covers Duke for the Raleigh News Observer and the Durham paper. And we asked Steve flat out, what's been priority one from Mike Elko? Yeah, you know, he's he's really trying to um, to instill, you know, the, the cliche culture change, right? I mean, uh, he, 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 this program – the last two years has been the worst in the ACC on the field by any measure you can want to, want to look at. So these guys aren't used to having success again. You've got to, you've got to get that going again, right? You've got to, you've got to teach them how to, how to win, how to, how to do things the right way. And, and, and it, you know, uh, th- that's what he's doing. He's, he's working on that first. Um, you know, he's, you want to try to build talent back up. He's got a few guys coming through the transfer portal, but you know, this is an uphill battle. I mean, they're, they're at the bottom of the league. And uh, so uh, it's going to take a little bit for them to, to get this turned around. It does seem like Brent Pry has checked all the boxes that Whit Babcock wanted in terms of the connection to the fan base. And I don't mean that to be, you know, a, a shot at Justin Fuente or his staff or anything else. But that, you know, I'm married to a Hokie. I, I understand what that means to that community, that fan base to feel like one again. And it seems like Brent Pry has done a lot of good things leading into game one 
as the head coach at Virginia Tech? He certainly knows why he was hired. Uh, he knows what the weaknesses of his predecessor were and sort of the holes that he had to fill in that sense. And he's leaned into it quite a bit, talking uh, you know, about repairing relationships, both with the fan base and alumni and, uh, you know, on the recruiting trail, that's been something that's been a big part of this. And, you know, that's what you have to do in your first off season. There are no games right now. Obviously there's on field stuff that you have to do, but uh, as a head coach, you have to be the, the guy that oversees the program and sort of sets the tone and the messaging <laughs> for everything. And I think that's been something that Pry has done from the outset is just hammered home that messaging. They had a retreat, uh, a staff retreat in Bristol a couple of weeks ago and they went there and that was the purpose of that. He, he talked to us and he said he had 45 points that he wanted to hammer home over and over. So that kind of tells you how detailed he is in wanting to repeat this message and make it just part of this culture here. So, uh, you know, the, the on-field stuff will happen and the, the, the roster is what it is. But I, I think in your first year, you sort of have to you know set the track down of what you want this program to be. And he's done a good job of that so far. So if I told you that the number one priority for Pitt is determining the quarterback, is that fair in describing the concerns of the whole team? That just seems like the one thing we're all waiting on, but there are not a lot of other questions. Otherwise, this football team looks pretty solid, Paul. Well, you're right about that. I think the biggest thing, I don't know that they're really deciding the quarterback. I mean, I can't imagine they brought Keaton Slovis here. Not to be the quarterback, uh, and and you know that that's the way it played out in in spring uh, spring drills, where he was you know the the primarily the the number one, and um, he's a guy that people forget. Some you know he what he threw for like thirty eight hundred yards, thirty nine hundred yards or something as a freshman in the Pac twelve uh, at USC. He's obviously proven he can play at a pretty high level, you know, against Power Five competition. Um, you know, he's a guy that. They brought here because they feel like they felt like quarterback was their biggest need, um, and so I think when you you know add it all up and everything else, um, he's a guy that probably is going to be uh, I think a really good player, and mostly because he's going to be put in a situation where um, he's going to he almost have to succeed just because uh, the players around him and, and the team around him is so good. Josh Downs is the known commodity for this football team. And, you know, Pack and I were talking about it in the spring. Could be one of the best wide receivers in the country by the year end. And a big part of that quarterback question may be answered by who gets most comfortable with Downs. Uh, because that that is option one, two, and three on offense until proven otherwise. Carolina's got some other receivers around him. They feel pretty good about Antoine Green right now, who's taken a while to come around. Uh, but looks like he might be ready to have the kind of year that everybody's expected. You got a couple really young receivers who, again, are supposed to be talented, but how does that translate to ACC competition? It's going to be about Josh Downs. How can you creatively get him the ball when everyone in the conference knows you want to get him the ball? Uh, And can he stay healthy for the entire season? Carolina was lucky last year with him, uh, but this year he's going to be the focal point, much like Sam Howell was last year. So uh, a lot of competition in camp to see who can be that guy who can take a little bit of the pressure off of him. Winky is one of several new faces on Jeff Collins' staff. How fast can that coaching chemistry take place with Andy? What appears to be a personnel chemistry that also will need to be addressed because there are a lot of 
new names and numbers on the roster in Atlanta right now. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, West, because you have seven new coaches, like you mentioned. Chris Wakey, Chip Long, takes over as offensive coordinator. And on top of that, a lot of new faces. Uh, Georgia Tech replenishing offensively, certainly through the transfer portal. Uh, and it's going to be a matter of how quickly can they get everything integrated. That's why the spring was so important for Georgia Tech and also why they wanted to get right at it in spring football. I mean, our spring game was on St. Patrick's Day. That's as early a spring game as anybody had in the country, but it underscores just how urgent Georgia Tech wanted to approach this offseason and making sure everybody could get acclimated to the playbook and their style of offense. But I will say this, there seems to be a really good vibe, really good chemistry, camaraderie between the players and the new coaches. Uh, I picked up on it just being around Bobby Dodd Stadium and around the football facilities here, and I'm excited to see how it all come together uh, beginning in August. When you look at the schedule, and I always like kicking this idea around in June and July, but when you look at the schedule, what pops off the screen in terms of, boy, that feels like a big game to kind of determine the, the fate of what Virginia Football 22 looks like? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not being glib when I, I look at that Richmond game and I think about Broncos debut, um, and certainly oh. he turned things around after that. I, I don't think it's going to be as much of, of a threat to, to this bunch, but um, certainly Tony Elliott wants to kick things off right. And, and kicking things off right means playing well against Richmond and winning. Um, I think at Illinois is going to be the tone setter, though, right? That's a name that people know. It's a conference that people uh, you know, aspire to or, or, or have a lot of respect for. What, what does the product look like those first two weeks? Um, I think if they come out and do the things we just talked about, they run the football, they have some balance, they protect Brennan defensively. They don't give up big plays. Uh, they control the line of scrimmage. I think if you play those two early games uh, that way, I think you have a chance to be competitive this year. Now I think it's, I think six, seven wins is probably the, the ceiling on, on this bunch um, with that schedule and with some of those things. But I think if you can get that, it's a great launching point. And um, I think it's all about, you know, how well you protect Brennan Armstrong, both with the offensive line, with the run game. Can he be a superstar with what's around him? Certainly a receiver, he's got the pieces. Um, but I think getting off to a big start, everybody wants to do that. New coaching staff, everything going on. I think that's really a key. Now here comes Mario Cristobal. Why does it feel different, Joe? than it has even in the past when people have been fired up about the Canes. I think it feels different because of the commitment of Mario Cristobal, the commitment of the administration toward football, uh, the fact that Mario Cristobal understands what the University of Miami is about. He was a guy that was in the trenches. He understands the legacy of the Green Tree practice field. Listen, Mario Cristobal was one of the guys that did a great job against the University of Miami recruiting against them. So he understands uh, the importance of recruiting Dayton Broward County. But if you take a look at his recruiting classes at Alabama or Oregon, he did a great job also of finding tremendous players outside of South Florida. There are great players everywhere. Miami has to find them. So I think it feels different because of the commitment of the university, because of the relentless nature of Mario Cristobal. Uh, he's about recruiting, recruiting, and recruiting. And then, of course, the staff that he put together, an uh, unbelievable staff, uh, Josh Gaddis and Jason Taylor is a, as an analyst. You've got a Hall of Famer, two Hall of Famers, Ed Reed and Jason Taylor, that have these kind of you know off-field roles. Uh, Kevin Seale, defensive coordinator, 
coordinator, Charlie Strong, a linebacker coach. So there are a lot of eyes on the players um, and a lot of quality eyes, great coaching going on and a real solid plan. I think that's why it feels different. It's almost here. What Did the uh... – yeah. Did the Jason Taylor thing slide by you? I had not heard that as an analyst. I read about it, but, I, you know, we've gotten to the we've gotten to the point now in college football that certain schools have loaded up on so many analysts that you kind of it's like the transfer portal. It's like I forgot what the roster mm-hmm. looks like. Right. Uh, but I tell you right. what, uh, I know we didn't play it here, but, but Alonzo Highsmith yesterday, I thought was out Standing and, and his message yeah. yesterday, I hope people were paying attention to it because I, I'm buying everything he was selling yesterday on the show. He was great. Yeah, Alonzo Highsmith coming up at 845 in case you missed it, by the way, from yesterday as, uh, as part of show 652 today. Um, all right, so here's my question before we get to break and we'll come back with a, uh, a trailer of tomorrow night's uh, special ACC Network documentary. Pittsburgh is the defending champion. Today, on June 22nd, who are you picking to win the oh, Coastal? Oh, to win the Coastal? Uh, on June 22nd? To win the Coastal. To win the Coastal on today, and I'm allowed to change my mind, I'm going to take the Miami Hurricanes. Okay. Now, you know you're going to be asked this question again in a month. So That's fine, and I may give you a different answer. To, but today, yeah. on June 22nd That's at right. 747 a.m., I'm going to tell you, am I picked this second – Miami Hurricanes. All right. Good. Miami. Are you, are you going to pick, or are you just going to sit there and go to commercial? <laughs> no. I, today, I'm going to take Pittsburgh. Okay, it's fine. Today, I'm taking Pittsburgh. <clears throat> I think it's – I think – I'm not going to say a consensus on this, but I think one of those two is going to be the, the, the unanimous pick or the majority pick yeah, of the okay. summer. I get it. So you give me one A, one B. It's a Western thing. I get it. You're, you're, you're really not sold on when Pittsburgh. We, you're not sold on Pittsburgh. You're just going to, you know, I'm going to give you, there's two or three other There's always two or three other teams. So I'm going to go with no, Miami. No, 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 I, I think it's either Pitt or Miami, and today I'm taking Pittsburgh. Okay, fine. How's that? That's fine. There we go. Whatever makes you happy. You're the president. When we come back. Hall of Famer. 19-time Hall of Famer. When we come back, um, we will look ahead to tomorrow night's ACC Network documentary on the hidden dynasty of North Carolina women's soccer. It's next on Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. So uh, the company wide has done a terrific job uh, helping celebrate and honor the pioneers of Title IX. No doubt. Tomorrow night, uh, Hidden Dynasty, the uh, really the success story of Carolina's women's soccer program. Uh, Anson Dorrance, by the way, going to join us at nine thirty this morning. But here's a bit of a sneak peek into if you really want to know the truth. One of the most amazing dynasties in all of college sports, if not sports in the United States. More than 20 national titles for North Carolina's women's soccer program. And here's a look at tomorrow night's documentary. I wanted to be a part of this tradition. 
I wanted that pressure and those expectations every single day. I came here because I wanted to win a national championship. Pinto has scored again! We just believed that we wouldn't lose. The UNC women's soccer team has 22 national championships. The team with the next most has three. When we stepped on that field, we wanted to rip people's heads off. I didn't care if they thought, you know, I was too competitive. That's just what I learned at Carolina. We never took the opportunity to put on that jersey for granted. This is the most overlooked dynasty in all of sports. Nothing hidden about it. There you go. Awesome. Still are. Yep. Nothing's changed, right? Mm-hmm. I know Florida State's rocking it. Yeah. Got a new coach and stuff, but uh, the job Anson Dorrance has done is just incredible. Yeah. When you talk about moving the bar for a sport in a conference, that's one thing. When you talk about moving the bar for a sport nationally, that's another thing. And that's what North Carolina essentially did under Anson's leadership. And when he started those programs, pack men and women, he was coach of both. And, you know, we've had him on the old radio show and a couple times here on TV. And he's always engaging to talk about because I don't know that there's a better coach who understands the full psychology of coaching men and women better than Anson Dorrance from those early years when he coached both the men and the women's team. And uh, my gosh, as he had incredible, incredible talent. You know about Mia Hamm, but the list is long and distinguished of players who've played for him who've gone on to international success and certainly professional success here in the continental United States. Now, let me just put it in perspective. Uh, he's had 70, 70 first-team All-Americans. 70. Now, I'll let that yeah. marinate a second. And I remember the Mia Hamm era. I mean, they were rock stars, Wes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like a sport even yep. back then. It's like, oh, yeah, women's soccer. Yeah, whatever. But you still heard UNC women's soccer program. You're like, oh, they're different. And they were different. And, right. um, again, that, that documentary will be out of sight. And uh, we've always enjoyed Anson being on the show, like you said. But I'll go back to another thing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be. But I could have sworn that we put a list together. We were asked to put a list together to mm-hmm. rank the ACC coaches all time, one through ten, regardless of sport. That's it. And if I'm not mistaken, you had Anson Dorrance number one. Am I right? Correct. That's what I <clears throat> that is correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We did that on the old radio show. Right. And I look when you win that many. I don't. I mean, you know, the the scale of it. You know, think about how hard we talked about, you know, Florida State winning the national championship this year on the women's side, Clemson winning it on the men's side. I mean, we're watching it unfold in Omaha. We've watched it unfold in lacrosse. We've watched it unfold in basketball, even the, you know, the college football playoff and all the hoopla involved there. You win 22 of them? Come on. Well, come on. Karen Shelton in field hockey is... It's amazing. Lacrosse, amazing. But you win 22 of these things? 22. Yeah. Come on. Well, what you just heard in that little clip there for the documentary, that the Heels have won 22. The next closest is three. That's all you need to know. Right. You know, like, you know. There you go. And that's why we keep score, right? Don't tell me what you thought happened. We do keep score. And when you come walking in the room and you see 22 banners hanging, enough said. That's big time. Awesome. There you go. 
You're right. All right, got us to thinking. Best dynasties in the ACC. A lot of this 8 o'clock hour is about the best dynasties. 844-SAY-ACCN. You can hit us on social media, uh, at Mark Packer, at West Durham, hashtag Packer and Durham. There's P-Dub right there. Florida State's part of this conversation for sure when you start 70-2 and two in a conference. Clemson and Dabo, you betcha. There's more to the list. We'll talk about it next on ACC. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371 and streaming on the ESPN app.